All right. Anybody in love with Jesus in here this morning? Testing one, two, three. Check, check. Is anybody in love with Jesus in here this morning? My goodness. That's the one you got to be able to get. All right. All the other stuff you don't have to shout about. But the love of Jesus, that's like the basic, you know, that's like going to math. One plus one is two. All right. You got to get that one. Come on, church. All right. Get, make sure you get enough coffee so that you can at least fake it, even if you're not feeling it. Okay. That's important. All right. Well, I'm excited, man. We're kicking off a brand new series about putting God first in our lives. It's going to be a great day. Um, a little bit about what's happening in this series that I want you to know about. Uh, we are actually joining with over 300 churches uh, across the country uh, and overseas in, Nor- in Ireland and Northern Ireland, in Greece, um, the, the big headquarters of A21 campaign over there. They're all going through God First Life uh, with us at the same time. And, and uh, so this is going to be uh, an awesome time, an awesome season. We get the whole idea. We get the name from... Uh, our parent, this is actually, some of you don't know this, we kind of have a parent church or a mothership where my wife and I came from, and that is Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, our pastor there, Stovall Weems, um, founded the church on this idea of, of leading people to experience a God-first life. And, and uh, at True Life, that's one of the things that we are. We're a God-first church. We really believe in this principle of putting God first in everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you touch. And, uh, and there's also a book that he wrote that goes along with it. Now, we're not, uh, we're not in the whole, like, make money off books things. That's not what we're doing. Um, but you can, through our website, we have a, a little link with Amazon uh, where you can go to a bookstore right there on our website and, and pick up this book. We had some people say, hey, I, I, I don't want to do the online thing. Can I pay cash? So we went and bought some. We're selling them to you at our, at the same, we paid retail, all right? So we're just selling them at the break-even. We're not, this is not a fundraiser. Maybe we shouldn't have. Maybe that was dumb on our parts. Maybe we should have marked them. Somebody mark them up, all right? Uh, No, so these are $13. Uh, We have a stash of them in the back. Not a ton. If they sell out today, we'll get more next week. And uh, the wonderful, awesome Miss Linda Reale, who was just on stage a second ago, she is back there in the corner. She'll be more than happy to take your money today. Uh, if you want to write a check or use cash and pick up a copy of The God First Life. And we're encouraging you, read through the book with us. Uh, especially if you don't have a small group that you're going to be a part of, jump into that God First Life small group uh, during the fall. It's going to be awesome. And uh, so I've got, uh, I guess I could just give this copy away. I can, I can do that. Um, does anybody want this? Anybody, anybody interested? Anybody want it? <laughs> Never mind. Come on, does anybody want this thing? Come on, does somebody want this? All right, here it goes. This is, does our insurance cover this? If I, let's see if I, if I got the, the skills to get it out there to somebody who wants it. There you go. Yeah. All right, so now we're down to, well, I have an extra. So we're still at 10 copies. I'll get the other one out. And um, it's going to be, going to be good. All right. So I want to jump into this this morning. Before I do, how about a little update on what happened here at True Life over the last few weeks? Anybody enjoy the At The Movie series? Was that fun? It was awesome. I'm really excited that I don't have to listen to you eat today while I preach. Um, it's refreshing. Some of y'all are noisy eaters. I'm just saying. Like, if you've been single for a long time and you're wondering why. Just, I'm just, this could be one of the things, you know. 
popcorn's falling down on the front of you? I'm, I'm just kidding. No, seriously. All right. <clears throat> so uh, a couple of really cool things happened. We consumed, I think, over like 200 cans of soda over the last three weeks here at True Life Church. Y'all are really healthy. You have great habits. Uh, nearly, I think, nearly 600 bags of popcorn that that you guys ate over the last three weeks here at True Life. Um, check this out. Two weeks ago, so 14 days ago, uh, you all invited like crazy. We did free ice cream, and we set a non-holiday attendance record here at True Life Church. Last year on Easter, we had 164 people, and two weeks ago in the fall, there were 160 here for service. So that's just huge on a non-holiday. Life team, you're going to want to be at the pre-party next week because that's cake, baby. All right? Anytime we can say record, we get cake. So we're going to... We're going to eat cake. We're going to celebrate. Here's the big one. Eight people over the last three weeks raised their hand at the end of service and said, hey, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ and surrender my life to him. Come on. Come on, True Life. So, man, it's been awesome. And now we're jumping into God First Life. And we, I just want to encourage you, let's keep the momentum rolling. There are people in your life who need to find out what it means to put God first. They're living a life that is unnecessarily complicated. And God never intended for your life to be that complicated. I'm not saying that it's never going to be difficult, but it doesn't have to be complicated. And uh, it's very simple. If we can get this one principle of putting God first in every area of our life, it will uncomplicate things. It will make your decision-making processes easier. It will make your relationships more healthy. So let's look at the the scripture that we're going to use for today. We're going to read quite a bit of uh, this passage here, Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25, and it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, it's why I tell you not to worry. Everybody, look at the person next to you and say, stop worrying. Stop. So I, I could tell, by the way, some of you said that, that you said it immediately under conviction. Because you're like, I'm a warrior. That was me. You, you got me. I repent. Can we end the, end the service right here? So Jesus says, so I'm telling you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. I think in the modern day, Jesus would say, hey, stop freaking out about your car and your bills and whether or not you're wearing the trendiest clothes. Stop, stop worrying about that stuff. He says, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And I love this verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. Do you get? Do you see the theme that's emerging here? Jesus is saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry. Stop freaking out. Let go of the anxiety. Settle your heart. Settle your core. He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, 
but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Come on, aren't you glad that there's somebody who knows all of your needs this morning? He already knows. And then here it is, verse 33. The whole idea around this series. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. In other words, put God first. And live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Can we pray this morning? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to share your word. And I just pray not only for today, God, but for these next six weeks, that you would do something in the hearts of your people, that we would learn how to reprioritize and bring order into our lives in a way that honors you, God, and pleases you. And that as we do that, you would restore blessing and you would restore favor on the lives of your people today. And I thank you for it. God, I pray today that there would be people who are set free from worry and they never look back. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. How we can go from a life of worry to a life of worship. You know, I love what Jesus says here. He's basically saying, hey, worry cannot add anything to your life. There is no benefit that ever comes out of worry. There's no benefit that ever comes out of anxiety. But we can make an exchange today. We can choose to change where we spend our hearts and where we spend our minds. And we can move from lives of worry to a life of worship. And how many know, even though worry can't add anything to your life, when your heart is set on God, when your heart is set on Jesus, now you've got somebody who can add everything that you ever need to your life. When we put God first, there's something that happens. So we're going to talk about how to do life God's way. Here's the big question. It's the big question of the series. What does it practically mean in, in simple steps for me to put God first? To put God first. I grew up going to church. Um, some of you heard me talk about it before. I grew up in the Midwest in an Assembly of God church. And, and uh, if you know anything about the Assemblies of God, then you know, like, I grew up in the Southern Missouri District, which is like Mecca, because that's where the headquarters is. So, I mean, like, I was, we were, we, we knew how to be assembly of God. We knew how to be Pentecostal. We knew how to get crazy. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, they, they talk about kids cutting their teeth on church pews like I literally did. I cut other things too because my mom always said don't run in church. And it's because those church pews will hurt you. Uh, I had lots of bruises and cuts. Don't run in church. Amen. That's the end of the message. That's the moral of the story. No running in church. I grew up in church. My family, they were a musical family. Uh, my mom played piano in our church. In fact, at one time, my mom and sister and cousins, I, I, don't, I don't know. In the Midwest, it gets messy. Um, <laughs> they had a bus, and they would travel around and sing uh, at different churches. You know, like any, any, anybody old school enough to know, like, the Gaithers and all that. I mean, like, that's what I grew up on, man. Like, I can, I can rock me some Gaither vocal band, you know what I'm saying? I'm a little embarrassed, but it's true. Um, I fly away, oh, glory. Y'all don't know that song. I was a little kid, man. They'd put me up there and make me sing with them. So I started, 
when I was little, like two and a half years old, I sang in church for the very first time. And, and uh, I was probably geeky in this way. Like, like I had one really good friend who we went to church together and other kids would go home and like play football or pretend to be Superman or whatever. But me and my friend Steven, we would go home and somebody in the church had built us a toy pulpit. I'm not kidding. And we would take turns like, like having church. We, so one church service, I would be the, the song leader. Cause back then that's what you had was a song leader, which was this anointed person who could sing at least okay. And had a death grip on everything. So nobody else ever had a chance. And so we would, we would <laughs> just, I'm trying to vent out some demons this morning. Is that all right? <laughs> um, so, so, so one of us would be the song leader and then the other one would preach. We'd take turn preaching, you know, we amen each other, and then we'd, then we'd flip. So other kids, they're, they're playing football, we're playing church, all right? So I don't, I don't even know how it happened. And, and so a little, little kid, I'm growing up at church, I would sing, and our pastor, he, he loved to do this. He would always come up after I would sing a song at church, and uh, not a huge church, you know. Um, and, and he would say, Michael, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he'd put a microphone in front of me, and I'd be like, a pizza. That's what I would say. Because I was cute like that. Something happened along the way. I don't know what happened, but I was cute once. I'm worried for my son. I'm just saying he's cute now, but he looks a lot like me. So we got to get him married young before the truth kicks in. I'd get bigger. I kept saying, there was one time I, that I, I don't know why. I don't know what had gotten into my head. I'd apparently been infatuated watching a garbage truck go down the street that week. And I got up and sang that week and, and our pastor expected the same answer. What do you want to be when you grow up? A preacher. And he was like, Michael, great job. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, a garbage man. <laughs> Those trucks are awesome. During my middle school years, our family had some of the things that happened to a lot of families happen. My uh, parents got divorced. My mom kind of got hurt by some things that happened. And we fell away from going to church for a while. And eventually a youth pastor stepped into my life who really saved me and just pursued me. And, and kind of brought me back into the family. In fact, still to this day, I consider him my spiritual father. Uh, his name is Waylon, and, and I honor him every chance I get. We still text back and forth occasionally and talk. He's he's still doing youth ministry out in Arizona, um, decades of serving students and teenagers. And I'm so thankful for him. And so I, I began this process of, of kind of figuring out on my own what it meant to serve God. And I, I have to admit, I didn't get it right a lot, especially through my high school years. I was kind of a, uh, like when we say the word hypocrite, like, I was probably the poster boy. I mean, like I could go to church and I knew all the right stuff to say and I could sing and I was leading worship for our youth group. And I think I was 15 years old the first time I actually preached in front of our youth group. And so like, I just knew how to put it on all, I knew how to put on the church show. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just knew how to make it look like everything was all together. But in reality, like was really battling with what a lot of teenage boys battle with and fighting lust and dating as many girls as I possibly could. And and, uh, try, you know, I had no boundaries, no, uh, no moral stop signs in my life. And, and so I just, I just remember through this, this process of kind of being one way around this group of people and one way around another group of people. And, 
And if you're living like that, you know what I'm talking about this morning because you're already probably experiencing how exhausting that is. To constantly be putting on a mask, depending on which group of people it is you're around. And I'll never forget, like, God finally just brought me to this place where I realized that the only way that my life was going to have any kind of fulfillment and any kind of meaning was if I were to stop playing the game, stop pretending to be something that I wasn't, just get real and honest and surrender my life. And, and that's what happened. It was at a youth camp where we spent a, you spend a week with Jesus, man. And I remember being in an altar at the front of the auditorium, just weeping, crying out to God and just saying, okay, I, I give up. God, I want to prioritize you and make you first with everything I do in my life. And can I just tell you, I didn't get it. I haven't gotten it right since then. I'm not saying like overnight I nailed it. But the priorities of my heart changed in that moment where I said, God, from this day on, it's got to be you. You've got to be first. This other, nothing else seems to work. Looking for fulfillment on my own doesn't seem to be working. Looking for acceptance from people doesn't seem to be working. So, God, I'm going to really surrender. I'm going to put you first. Do whatever you want to do with my life. And can I tell you, like, haven't been perfect, haven't gotten all the choices right, but my life has never been the same since that moment that I sincerely surrendered to him. And my hope and prayer for you today, and I think there's probably some of us who that's, we're in that spot right now. You kind of put the mask on. It's a, it's a different you, a different version of you. Depending, That's our culture, isn't it? Like even just social media. You know what Facebook is? It's a big fat mask. Like nobody takes a selfie after they first wake up in the morning. You got drool, you know. Morning. What do, we, what do we do? Like, I was, I was hilarious. I was at a football game last Saturday. And uh, we hung out after the game, a group of us, to, to talk with the quarterback, um, Trent. We just wanted to congratulate him on a big win. And um, <clears throat> game-winning touchdown, I'm just saying. Goes to our church. Just saying. All right. No pride involved. Um, so anyway, so we're hanging out. And I'm watching, like, this group of kids that have congregated to meet football players and stuff, right? And there's this young lady who's she wants to get a picture taken with some football players and and i just walk like for 20 minutes solid with her iphone as a mirror and i just thought man what a snapshot I, i'm a, look i get it everybody you want to look good for your, i get it but what a snapshot of our culture like making sure that the image that everybody sees is is just right can i tell you the image god sees of you was already just right when he sent his son to the cross and he paid the price for your sins, what it did is it put you in a position where when God the Father looks at you, all he sees is just right. So, man, what if we would just make a decision to live our lives with God first, stop worrying about all the stuff, stop worrying about wearing the masks, put God first. That wasn't even in my notes. That was all free preaching. You're welcome. Buy a book. What was I talking about? <laughs> High school. I was terrible at math. I'm, just, I'm still terrible at math. Our accounting director, Jeff Brownlee, can verify. Awful at it. And I remember my senior year, like I'd been through Algebra 1, Algebra 2, and that almost killed me. And it looked like I was going to have to take whatever. The, is there Algebra 3 or do you go to Calculus? I don't know. Whatever the next one was, I thought I was going to have to take it my senior year to be able to graduate out. And I was just like, 
really freaking out. Because I hated it and I wasn't good at it. My parents used to mess with me. They're like, so you're going to grow up and you want to be a preacher, right? Yeah. You're going to have church, right? Yeah. How are you going to know if you can't do math how many chairs to set out? And, and I said, I delegate that, baby. What are you talking about? <laughs> Somebody else can figure it out. Thank God, as I went into my senior year, they came out with this basically, it was basically a senior blow-off math class. Like, here's the kind of stuff that we were doing. Like, the mailman delivers mail to four houses on Holly Lane. He delivers three pieces of mail. To all four houses. How many pieces of mail did the mailman deliver? I got that. I'm all about taking the complex and making it as simple as possible. Anybody ever just met somebody who just, they just, it's like they can't see things simple. All they see is life complex. Culture, culture actually tries to make life more complex than it really is. Here's the math equation that most of us are living with that's been defined by culture. It goes something like this. Happiness equals a lot of money plus enough friends plus the right job plus the right romantic relationship minus some pain and suffering minus lots of problems. And that's how we've defined happiness and fulfillment in our culture. But i got to tell you, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. What Jesus is actually saying here in Matthew 6 is that the equation is much simpler. It's much more like what I would have experienced in that senior math class. Come on, somebody. Here's the equation. You plus God first equals fulfillment. You plus Jesus, things work out better. It's really simple. Let me say it to you this way. This is the first set of fill-ins in your notes if you're following along with the blanks. What Jesus is saying is this, and this is in the book if you read it. When order is restored, blessing is released. When order is restored, blessing is released. When I put God first in my life, I've prioritized God with the order that he wants for my life. Can I just tell you, like, God is gracious He is patient, he is long-suffering with us, but he demands to be first. He is not content, he is not settled with any other place in your life and my life but first. He wants to be the top priority for all of us. Good place for an amen, church. All fulfillment in your life is predicated on divine order, God first. You can see it in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. What happened? Adam and Eve. They come into the garden. The order was really simple. Do whatever you want. Eat from any tree you want, except one. What happens? The moment order is broken, blessing is broken. And from that moment on, the story begins. The entire Bible is about God Restoring order to our lives, restoring himself to first place, restoring relationship that was broken. Why? 
so that he can restore us. All of the covenants that you find through the New Testament are about God reestablishing order. When order comes back, restoration shows up. When order comes back, favor shows up. When order comes back, blessing is released. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom. And here's the thing. I think a lot of, this is where a lot of us, we can, we can tumble into a, a trap of legalism here. Jesus never said that you can't seek anything else. It's about what you seek first. Well, I, I have to have a job. I have to make, yeah. You've got to seek those things. But what order are they in? Have we placed God first? See, when I, when I place God first, everything else that I need to seek in my life actually becomes a lot simpler. Becomes a lot easier. Come on, are you with me this morning? When order is restored, blessing is released. So quickly, here's what I want to give you. Three steps that will help you move from a life of worry to a life of worship. And this is going to be kind of the foundational piece for the next six weeks to help us get ourselves to a place where we understand how to put God first. Here's the first one. Number one, redirect your energy. Redirect your energy. What did he say to seek first? The kingdom, the things of God. A lot of us think that what we have to do in our relationship with God is, here, here's why many of us are on a roller coaster. Our relationship with God, it feels red hot on Sunday. Worship's good. Preaching was okay, I hope. It was good last week. It was Joel, so. Today stinks podcast. All right. And so we get on this like God roller coaster. And, and here's the mistake I've made many times in my life is I think, well, if my relationship with God isn't what I want it to be, it means I need to add more energy to God. Well, I just need to add more. I have prayer time. I am reading my Bible. I just must not be doing enough. Here's the problem with this system. I'm relying on myself for the answer. Can I just tell you, you can't fix a supernatural problem. It's not in you. You don't have it. What we need to do, instead of, instead of trying to add energy to God, come on, warriors. Here's what you need to do. All that energy that you spend worrying about the things of this life, the things of this, all that energy that you spend worrying about your family or your kids or what classes you're supposed to take or what job you're going to have or whether or not you're going to have, a, all you need to do is take that energy that you're spending on worry and redirect it. Redirect that energy towards your relationship with Jesus. So Jesus is saying here, take all the energy you're spending on worry and turn it towards him. It's not about adding energy to God. It's about redirecting the energy we're spending other places towards him. Let me say it to you this way. Energy spent on worry is energy wasted. Energy spent on worry is energy wasted. Now I'm going to illustrate this to you this morning because some of us experienced it. Like this was you today. There was this great moment at the beginning of our service the band is playing we're singing songs together we're lifting up our creator and and if i were a betting person i'm not because i'm too broke but if i were a betting person i would bet that there were some of us who we were kind of going through the motions of worship but in our minds and our hearts it was just worry what about what about tomorrow what about tomorrow what about work what about my family what about kids worry 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 and so even while all this great stuff is going on around you, you were spending energy on worry. 
Some of us couldn't even enter into worship, like couldn't even sing or lift up our creator because all of this energy is being spent worrying about the things of this life. Here's what I want for you today. I want you to get free from that. I want you to figure out how to take the energy that you're spending on worry and say, hey, God, I know you've got this. Like your plans and your will for my life, they are perfect and I trust you with it. So I'm going to take this energy that I would have spent worrying about my life, worrying about tomorrow, and I'm going to, I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it towards you. Because here's what happens. Energy spent on worry is energy wasted, but energy spent on worship is energy invested. Energy spent on worship gets the highest level of return of any energy that you'll spend in your life. Don't spend all your time analyzing and overthinking and building assumptions and thinking about things we don't need to think about. Uh, you know, I'm guilty of is like, like if I'm going into a convert, where's Jeff at? Are you in here, Jeff? Back there. Jeff and I were talking about this because we're both, we both do this. Maybe you do. Have you ever like, you know that there's a tough conversation coming and so you start having the conversation in your head ahead of time? Like, I'm so terrible at this. Like, I've had 20 conversations with this person before I ever get face-to-face with them. And turns out when I get face-to-face with them, they're like, oh, I did that? I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, wait, I was ready to rumble, man. I had this all figured out. Energy wasted. What if, I know this is crazy. I'm just, this, just, just hang with me for a second. What if in that tough conversation's coming, instead of worry and anxiety, we would do what the Bible says. When it says, don't be anxious for anything, but through prayer and supplication, submit your requests. So like if I've got this conversation, what if I prayed for that person? What if instead of wasting energy, I actually invested energy? What if I actually decided in my heart that whether it goes the way I want it to or not, I'm going to pray the blessings of God over this person's life. That even if it doesn't work out with me, what God wants for them is still the best plan for them. Come on, somebody. Worry is energy wasted. Worship is energy invested. We worry too much. We worry too much. I remember uh, a few, few, probably about a year ago now, like, I got on this, I got really convicted by the Holy Spirit. Of, it's probably been a couple years ago about just my health. And I finally found like an exercise thing that worked for me. Somebody turned me on to a couch to 5K and running. And when you, I didn't realize this, like when you've been a big boy and you start to lose weight, like stuff happens to your body. This is going to gross some of you out. I'm really sorry, but. But I noticed like this thing on my leg. And I'm like, this this little bump on my leg. And I'm like, what is this? I'm looking, I'm looking at it. I get on Google. Because that's what you do when you worry, right? And within 10 minutes, I'm like, I, I got cancer. <laughs> it was a skin tag. It's all it was, not cancer. I know more than any of you probably want to know about skin tags if you have questions later. Because when you're a big boy and you lose weight, 
get skin tags. They're gross. I'm sorry. Those of you that need to go vomit, I'll just pause right now for a few minutes. Give you a chance. Come on. You know, you, you, you forget that you had Taco Bell for lunch and that was a bad choice. And then when your stomach starts rumbling, you're like, it's Ebola. It's here. It made it. That's what we do, man. We just, we worry. So, uh, so-and-so frowned at me this morning at church. Pastor didn't smile at me. He hates me. Man, why don't you stop fixating on people and fixate on Jesus who never frowns at you? Worry is energy wasted. Worship is energy invested. When we convert worry to worship, there's a return in our lives of his power. It's a supernatural return. What's the Bible say? That the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That's why we start our church service with worship. What we want to do on a Sunday morning is help you get your focus off everything else that was going on in your life and everything that was going on in your week and all of the imperfections and all of the worry and just take a few minutes to start off the morning and say, all right, I'm going to turn my energy towards Jesus. But check it out. You don't have to just do that on Sunday. You can redirect energy to Jesus anytime you want. Turn off the talk radio. Stop freaking out about Obama and the politics. Who cares? Put on some worship music and get reminded that you're a citizen of a higher kingdom and there's a God who's on a higher throne who's in control of all of it and there's nothing for you to freak out about. Redirect. There's a byproduct of energy spent on worship. It's called the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's a joy that comes from energy spent on worship. What's the Bible say? The joy. Are you feeling weak? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Romans 8, 28. God will work all things for good for those that love him and are called. I have to tell you, whatever you're worried about today, whatever you're facing, you say, you just don't understand, Pastor, like this is really bad. No, here's what I understand, that the scriptures are true. They're 100% true and they work. And so no matter how ugly your situation looks right now, the Bible teaches me that Jesus has a plan for that, that he's got a way to take what you're facing as bad as it is, as horrible as it is, and turn it into something good and turn it into something that will bring him glory and turn it into a testimony and a story that will draw attention to him. I, mean, I just, I just want to live there where I understand trial in my life is just an opportunity for Jesus to show off. Redirect your energy. Number two, establish your identity. We're supposed to seek the kingdom. And then he says, seek his righteousness. That word righteousness actually means God's right character or path. His right way. Of doing things. So Jesus is saying, hey, seek the things of God and then seek out what it means to live life God's way. Like, figure it out. You say, so it's about works. No. No level of works that you ever accomplish will ever mean anything compared to what Jesus Christ has already done for you. But because of what He's done in me, there should be a hunger in me to figure out what it looks like in this life to live out His righteousness. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. That word seek 
means to thoroughly search to a binding agreement. So I'm going to search for God's right way of living, and then I'm going to bind myself to that way of living. That's what it means to live a God-first life. I say it this way. I'm going to thoroughly search in God's word for his right way of doing things and construct principles and values for living from that and live from the inside out, not influenced by this world or its culture. A binding agreement about who I am in Christ, how he sees me, not how everyone else sees me, and how I'm going to live my life. Let me say it to you this way. Make one decision and manage it for the rest of your life. One decision managed for life. Here's the problem. Many of us are serving God with a redecide mentality. Boy, things have been going really well. I really feel blessed. I think I think I'm going to tithe. I think I'm going to put God first in my finances. Oh, here he goes. He's talking about money. He's meddling in my business. No, the Holy Spirit's meddling in your business. He's just using me. Sorry. Things are going well. Now I'll prioritize God. I'll put God first. Things aren't going so well. Now I'm going to redecide. I've made a decision about single people, what purity is and how I'm going to conduct myself. But, but then I'm with so-and-so and they're really hot. Now I'm going to redecide. No. Make the decision once. Manage it for the rest of your life. I'm going to find my gifts and serve because pastor preached well today and I'm really fired up. And then next week, I don't preach so well. I'm going to be an encourager, not a complainer. I'm making the decision once and managing the rest of my life. I'm going to be gracious, not a scorekeeper. I'm saved and accepted, not condemned and rejected. I'm going to get in community in a small group. No matter how I feel every week, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do life with somebody because it's the healthy way to do life. I'm preaching now. Are we always perfect in these things? Of course not. But those are exceptions, not the rule. Make a decision once based on who you are in Christ. Put your identity in Christ. Make a decision once. Manage it for the rest of your life. When I started this process of couch to 5K, I got through the whole program once. And uh, then I got away from it for a while. I won't tell you why because everybody will make fun of me. I hurt my knee, all right? Okay, there it is. I said it. And, but really, even after I was to the point where I probably could have started running, it was just really hard to restart the habit. And uh, <clears throat> this last week, I was out running at night. And I'd gotten to the, I'm in week five now, doing it again, getting my conditioning back. And so this this run was a five-minute warm-up walk and then, a three-quarter mile run, a half-mile walk, and another three-quarter mile run. And I, and I remember I, I ran that first three-quarter miles. I'm like, okay, pretty good. I get to the walking section. I'm feeling pretty good. Then I hit that second three-quarter mile run. And about a quarter of a mile into it, like the thoughts started. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you're doing something and you're not sure if you're going to finish 
And then, it, like, my hamstrings tightening up, right? I'm like, people are looking at me out there, like, what is wrong with this dude? And I, I, I remember I was coming, my path was bringing me back kind of close to my house. And I had this thought that this, for a moment, I'm, I'm jo- really slow, probably like a 14-minute mile at this point. That's similar to walking, yes. Um, but I still had a bounce. I was still bouncing. My heart rate was 170 or something, so it, it counts. I was exercising. And I had this thought like, man, I could just try this again tomorrow or the next day. I could hang a left here and call it a night. I can be in the front door in like three minutes. And I just finished working on my message notes that day. And all of a sudden, this popped up. Make the decision once and manage it. What is your identity? Michael, you may not be the prettiest. You may not be ready to go do the New York Marathon, but you are a runner. And runners finish. I may not be Ryan Potler bouncing around like a gazelle. But you know, but here, here's the, here's, <laughs> Ryan was one of the greeters who greeted you on your way in today, by the way. I, I love him. love to tease him. Great guy, though. Loves our church and loves all of you. And I did, I just, I just decided my identity, I'm a runner. I may be a chunky runner, but I'm a runner. And runners, come on, you, you see what I'm saying? Runners, and so when I decided what my identity was, I'm not a quitter, I'm not a walker, I'm not a halfway doer, I'm a runner. And I'm going to finish. And so, I thought I was going to die. But I finished. So here's, here's what I'm saying. In your life, there's going to be some moments when putting God first, you're going to go, man, it would just be easier to hang a left and call it quits. But my identity is not in what others see in me, what others say about me, what this culture says I should be. I have made a decision that in my life, I put God first. I prioritize him above everything else. In my marriage, it would be easier to call it quits and sign the divorce papers. But I've decided my identity is somebody who's in covenant with my spouse and with God. And we don't quit. We're going to finish. Come on, somebody. Put your identity in Jesus. Anxiety literally means to have two minds, to be dual or double-minded. Complication of life. Listen, let the anxiety go. Settle the issue through your identity. See, too many of us have made anxiety our identity. No, your identity is in Christ. So no matter what's going on in your life, you bring it back to Jesus. And you settle it with who he says you are. Live life from the inside out. Here's the last one. Enjoy your freedom. Enjoy your freedom. Come on up, Kevin. Matthew 6, 33, the end of it, Jesus says, seek God, seek his righteousness, and what happens? 
He'll take care of your needs. In other words, you're free from worry. You're, you're free from it. Now God can give you blessing without the blessing of consuming you. Hello, somebody. You can have stuff without stuff having you. You can have things without the things having you. You don't have to be looking over your shoulder all the time, second-guessing everything, second-guessing everyone. Listen, you can just live free. I joked about what I grew up in, and I'm really thankful, actually, for the church and denomination I grew up in. It's where I was called to ministry. It's where I met Jesus. But in any, really, in any church, in any denomination, no matter where you go, there are those who will try to make it about the do's and the don'ts. They'll try to make it about the legalism. And can I tell you, you don't need to live there. You can settle your identity in Christ and you can live a life of freedom. I, I had to laugh. I hope I don't get in trouble for sharing this. My wife and I both, we kind of grew up in that thing. And uh, in fact, when we got married, I had to go sit down with my pastor, have a one-on-one -on -one meeting and get special permission because I was paid staff at this church. I had to get special permission to dance with my wife at our wedding reception because we were told dancing was from the devil and if you dance with somebody you're going to have sex with them it's just ludicrous it's dumb so I, I, I had we were at a wedding just a few weeks ago and there was dancing and my, like my wife loves to she is an incredibly good dancer like she, she's, she's just good and she's like I kind of want to get out there but I can't get this and I'm like baby we are free get out there get out there with our kids and I'm not dancing because I don't want to scare people but you you got it go you know, a lot of us, man, we're going through life like we're kind of looking over our shoulder. We're looking at the past. We got all this baggage. We got all these things that we got these check boxes that we think we got to get. And listen, none of it's real. It's all baggage that the enemy is attached to your life. And you have the option to live free. And we got home, man. She's like, man, maybe I should just start a dancing small group. I'm like, you go. Do it. We gotta wait till our kids are a little bigger, but she can't. If you want lessons, hundred dollars an hour, I'll hook you up. Stop living life in fear of what you're gonna get punished for. Because if Jesus is in you, the only one that has punishment coming is Satan, and you're free. Come on, somebody, you're free. Live in it, enjoy it. Redirect the energy from worry to worship. Establish your identity in Christ. And enjoy what he's done for you. This is a better life like this. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us, for the freedom that we have in you. God, I pray for those this morning that are weighed down with the chains of legalism or religion. Father, for those who are weighed down by worry and anxiety and stress, God, their identity is in a, another place this morning. God, I just pray supernaturally right now you would break through to the hearts of your people.
those chains would come off. Those who are bound up would be set free. Just keep your eyes closed for just a second. I just want to ask if there's anybody in the room, you say, hey, Michael, that that all sounds great. Sounds like a better way to live. But I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. So I don't, how do I even benefit from any of that? It's actually really simple. You can begin a relationship with him right now. I'll just lead you in a simple prayer and your life can be different from this day on. And if you, if anybody is in the room today and you would say, Michael, that's, that's me. I need to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ today and invite him into my heart. Would you just slip your hand up real quick? See it. Anyone else? Hold it up. I see it. I need a relationship with Jesus. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray this prayer together. Even if you didn't raise your hand, you can begin a relationship with Jesus today. And what I'm going to ask you to do is after we pray this prayer in the cup holder next to you is a connection card. Would you just fill it out? And, and check the box that says I've committed my life to Jesus. We're not going to show up at your house or, or anything like that. I'm going to stalk you. We just want to send you an email that gives you some next steps in your walk with Jesus. Come on, would you just say this prayer after me? Say, Dear Jesus, I need you to take the place of first in my life. I surrender and I repent. I turn from life my way to life your way. Please forgive me of my sins, my mistakes, past, present, and future. Thank you that I now have eternal life in you. In Jesus' name.